1: It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.
2: This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual.
0: The Around the NFL Podcast. Never forfeits a
3: game. From the Chris Wessling Podcast Studio, it's the Around the NFL Podcast Podcast. I'm Dan Hansis. With me, some heroes Greg Rosenthal, Mark Sessler. And I know, boys, that um, your teams weren't on the right side of the ledger on this Sunday. Uh, but I do, I have to say, I'm in a good mood because the Jets weren't involved. <laughs> and that's where we're at uh, with my fandom. When they don't play, my life's better. Maybe that's something – maybe the Chris Wessling dossier about the Bengals, like this is kind of what he was getting at. Yes. More above the treetops. That said, I'll never leave my fandom, but I get why it's probably a healthier move. I always thought uh, moving to the West Coast from the East Coast where we
2: all grew up, um, the games start at 10 a.m. and you know typically the Jets and Browns and Patriots would be on at 10 a.m. and you'd go back in the day before we started doing this. I'd go watch them. Uh, the Browns get shellacked somewhere, but the great thing was you're you know the the butt kicking ends around 1:20 p.m. Right. and you still have the mm. rest of your Sunday. Uh, when you're here, you're sort of still just
1: doused in right. the ill They're marinating uh, tidings. in it. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's got, you got people <laughs> laughing and giggling throughout the office. So. I I don't know what you're talking about. First of all, my only <laughs> what season do you mean? as a as an LA like fan was 2001, you know, the greatest know, Greg, season. And but Greg, you've ever. had a broad but career. Then, my mind is not. I I was going to say the Patriots, yeah, sure they lost, but have you noticed they lead the league in moral victories? This <laughs> they year. are and it's piling like, them up. I'm more of like a fan of football. I'm like Rob Lowe, you know, with the the NFL and the on the. It's like they're really providing great entertainment, great ratings, and big time games. So I think the Patriots are
3: winners. I feel like you've taken a pill and you're saying exactly <laughs> what certain people want you to say. Um, all right. Week six in the NFL. We're going to go through every game coming up a little but a little bit later. As Nick Shook, our buddy, um, who's going to help us out navigating uh, the day that was in the NFL. Mark, good to have you back for a Sunday show. We are feeling good.
2: I think we need to stop. The Mark is back for each iteration <laughs> yeah. of what we do. I mean, it's people. It's probably tiring. Right. Uh, Thur- the watch. Thursday night recap. that'll You know, that's coming
3: this Thursday. Ooh, Thursday night recap with the, an undermanned Browns team and a virtual must-win. I, I feel like I'm going to have a good Mark Sessler uh, show lined up. Nobody I mean, knows how what seven. will happen.
1: It's actually, you don't have to even do it. It's going to be Mark and Ernest Biner for Broncos-Browns. We can pull it off. You could have the night off,
2: too.
3: <laughs> I would marinate in that. All right, let's get to it. Let's start, yes, with the moral victory of the day. It went down at Gillette Stadium.
4: Play fake. Boot to the right. Looking down the field. Lamb. Ten. Five. Victory. Cowboys win. The ghosts are exorcised.
3: Brad Sham, the Sham God. KRLD. With the call for the Dallas Cowboys radio network. Dak Prescott connected with CD Lamb on a 35-yard touchdown pass in overtime. The winning score in a 35-29 win. For the, for the Cowboys over the Patriots, the Cowboys have now won five straight games. And in this one, they overcame a litany of uh, mistakes, penalties, for the most part, some turnovers as well. And they outlast. Yes, there are no moral victories in our league, but it was a very game Patriots team that battled in this game. And uh, Greg, one of the most exciting games of the year broke out of, out of nowhere. The Cowboys dominated for most of the contest in regulation. Then, uh... The uh, game changed with three touchdowns and four minutes of play in the fourth quarter. Uh, And in the end, the Pats got the ball, couldn't do anything in overtime, and then the Cowboys took over.
1: It it felt inevitable, at least to me, after the fourth and four, late in uh, regulation, Patriots trying to get the Cowboys off the field, and Dak Prescott... Drops back to pass, and Matthew Juden wins with an inside spin move immediately. Like, that was the play, that was the move that you gave Matthew Juden all that money for. He could have been the hero. He is on Dak Prescott in under two seconds. Dak sees it, gets rid of the ball a little quicker than he wants, and delivers a perfect throw that only Cedric Wilson could catch. And Cedric Wilson makes an even better play to get it. I know a lot of lot. big plays, Cedric I Wilson know a scared. lot happened after that. I know Mike McCarthy tried to give it away. I know Nelson Aguilar gave it away. I know Bill Belichick, you know, crawled up like a little turtle oh. into a shell like, oh, like he's great. done for Hitting much out. of this season. But I think it comes down to no one's playing quarterback better than Dak Prescott. And I feel like the Cowboys offense can overcome so much. And today he did. Yeah, I mean, the, the we have to now look
2: at the Cowboys as a legitimate Super Bowl uh, contender. That's what they are. And Dak is playing as well as anyone in the league. And it, I think the game raises your opinion of everyone that played quarterback because Mac Jones, I think, you know, as a first year rookie to come back with the ice cold counterpunch. On that throatage, on that throat to Kendrick Bourne, the seventy-five yarder after the after the pick six, and you know you could see someone else crumbling there. Uh, it was you know it's a tough one for New England, but if you're a Patriots fan, I know Greg is basically taking the Patriots and throwing them off a cliff at this point. That's not you've true. got to say he like, got what he wanted, well, I mean, long like, long term, I mean, you have that's to be very true. encouraged by Mac Jones. But if you're a Cowboys fan, and it's been a while for them too. You're looking at something special in Dallas. Yeah,
3: and I think we all kind of saw the Cowboys even entering this week as a legit NFC contender uh, to make it out of the conference, get back to the Super Bowl for the first time in a quarter century. Um, so in its own way, this game, even though they didn't play, um, you know, the cleanest brand of football, this is different than other Cowboys teams as well, where you don't play your best game, where you shoot your, yourself in the foot constantly, and some, and you still find a way to get, a, get, get the job done. And uh, yeah, Dak the throws that he made um, in crunch time. I mean, the Patriots had, I think, three different chances to win this game in regulation on that final field goal drive. And every time Dak stepped up, including the huge uh, downfield connection, I think it was a 25-yard strike to C.D. Lamb on third and 26 uh, that got them into field goal range. So, you know, we also have, and this is a little inside baseball, but uh, in the newsroom here, I recently discovered we have access to the truck feed. The truck feed, which shows you the uh, telecast, um, no commercial breaks. You see all the raw feed. And we saw Dak limping significantly going into the tunnel after the game with a big smile on his face. Um, but that is something to watch. You're, again, this is a guy coming off a serious leg injury. You wonder, You wonder if it's connected. But either way, he was unstoppable when accounted. counted.
2: It's also a guy that throughout hard knocks basically told anyone bringing up his injury
1: Go F you because I'm going to get back on
2: the field. So I don't, I think we're going to see him next week.
1: Well, it, I found it interesting. The Patriots seem to really load up and try to stop the Cowboys running game and see what else could happen. JC Jackson was in man coverage, man. He's, he's made himself a lot of money this year. <laughs> like JC Jackson's playing great. And he did, he did for the most part in this game. Uh, but they, they almost dared the Cowboys, you know, to move the ball with throwing it up and down the field and then cause mistakes. And, and they did, but the moral victories, I, you know, I said it with, you know, tongue in cheek, they've had chances to win these games. You know, you get the ball in overtime. You know, maybe you don't get a call here, but you had the Aguilar drop. And then you you get the ball late in the first half, and you get the ball even with 25 seconds left. I know it's nothing, but Belichick sits on it. It it bothered me more with 90 seconds left in the first half. Uh, also, even punting on fourth and three, I, I the way that the Cowboys offense was moving the ball on a field goal wins the game here. I wouldn't have hated them going for that either. I know that hands it over to him. But you, you've seen a very conservative trying to win like it's 2001 style from the Patriots. And it's gotten them pretty close to beating the Bucks. It's gotten them pretty close to beating the Cowboys but they didn't win either game. It's also
2: like this game, they had 14 plays in the first half and 45 in all of regulation before overtime. A bit of an aberration.
3: Very strange game because the Patriots scored 14 points on their first seven plays from scrimmage, then went totally in the tank in the second quarter, shut out, third quarter, shut out, came to life and scored 15 in the fourth uh, to take the lead. uh, But it was not meant to be. I thought, On the Dallas side here, I mentioned it. Cedric Wilson, it won't really jump out to you in the box score because he finished four for 42 on seven targets. But I was surprised in multiple big spots in this game, uh, Dak went to Wilson and he came through for them. And then C.D. Lamb, I think a lot of people, myself included, saw this as his breakout year where he was going to go 100 for 1,500. Uh, Yards and 12 touchdowns. And he might still end up that way, but it's been quiet at times. Nine for 149 and two touchdowns and 11 targets. That's big boy, big boy Pants performance, including the game winner. So, you know, football. Football. I mean, Trayvon Diggs getting to pick six to look
1: like he's going to win, you know, to win <laughs> the game when he's trying to get defensive player of the year. Seven interceptions, six games. That's just insane. Mike McCarthy appearing to make every wrong choice he possibly oh, can. McCarthy. Kicking the field goal with two and a half minutes to go. That looked like that could have cost him. And when the Patriots like scored on their 75-yard touchdown pass on the very next play, I said, well, it's almost like they, they scored too quick. The only way, you're just not going to stop this Cowboys offense. They got close. They got close a couple I, times, but it didn't happen. You know, you- I,
3: I defend McCarthy more than anyone on the show. I'm the only one that sometimes does because he is the head coach of this team. That's five and one. and Everybody's in love with. But then when you see things like that, it's fourth and one with this offense and you settle for a 51 yard field goal late in the fourth quarter. And Trayvon Diggs bailed you out with a pick six on the next series. But that doesn't matter because it's that type of stuff that you wonder in the crucible of the playoffs, if, right. if McCarthy's got another one of these up his sleeve, uh, and I understand if you're a Cowboys fan who's nervous. Even about taking time. a timeout before the Zerline game
1: tying field goal with 20 seconds left when you could have just. Let it go to five seconds. It's just someone who's a little overwhelmed by the moment when uh, it comes to game that's management. The school and when you're not running the offense right. or the defense, then you got to be good at that. That's
2: the school it comes from. And, I mean, that's who they knew they were hiring. I do wonder if you're Kellen Moore. Do you have, like, text threads with longtime friends saying, this stuff drives me nuts because it's like he, it's – Kellen you
1: know. Moore I, – I will make the announcement here. Kellen Moore will be the next Dallas Cowboys head coach. I don't know if it's going to be 2022, 2023. At some point, he will just take over for Mike McCartney. It could have been 2020. <laughs> right.
3: It might it be might, a situation be where nine. Kellen's like, I'm going to I'm going to take a job somewhere else if you don't hire me, although they control whether or not he's allowed to interview. Um, and Mark, I will break some news. I can guarantee Dak Prescott is not playing next week. The Cowboys are on by. Oh, gotcha, baby. It's cute. Let's roll. <laughs> That was effective. Gotcha.
4: Another overtime lock,
3: lock there liars. for Hansis. <laughs> lock it up, baby. <laughs> Mark and
4: the Ravens put up Never a doubt. Points.
3: Come on, Grave Digger, give it to me. Give me my lock. <laughs> I earned those. Sorry. <laughs> Grape Digger filling in for Ricky. There it is. All right now, let's hit the <laughs> Timing was tough on it. we yeah. put you in a tough, tough spot. Tough spot. <laughs>
5: Jackson from the gun fakes the handoff, looking end zone,
4: fires touchdown. Mark Andrews and the Ravens put up six more points.
3: Jerry Sandusky with the call for W B A L. Lamar Jackson threw for a buck sixty-seven and a touchdown. Not too impressive, but guess what? Didn't need to be. The Ravens defense shut down Justin Herbert and the Chargers. Final score, 34-6. to Greggy, the Bolts could not be stopped against the Browns on offense, and it was just a totally different story in this one. It was insane. I saw a stat after the game that
1: Justin Herbert was pressured on 33 of his 42 dropbacks. Wait, 33.
3: 33 of 42? 33
1: wow. times in a single game. I've never seen anything like that, and they all weren't deep drops. I mean, sometimes this is a pretty quick-throwing offense. Now, they got stuck in third and long quite a bit, and they've been so good on third and long and so good on fourth down. Maybe it was time for regression to happen, but regression works the other way, too. Sometimes there's positive regression. And to me, the Ravens' is running game and their defense has been mediocre all year or worse. And in this game, they look like the old Ravens mm. where they're blowing up holes, where it almost seemed like they were challenging. How big a hole do we need for Devontae Freeman and Latavius Murray and Le'Veon Bell to get through? Because it has to be huge in the... Plays take forever to develop. And guess what? They were big enough. And the defense, as I mentioned, with the pressure was old Raven style defense to the point where, as you mentioned, Lamar didn't need to do too much. He won. He made some big plays from the pocket, but it was their run game. It was their defense. And I think if you're the rest of the AFC, the idea that the Ravens have gotten a little lucky to get out to this 4-1 start but have a lot of room for improvement moving forward, they are a very scary That's
3: how team. I look at my uh, locks this season. I'm off yeah. to a fast start. Some people say, "Oh, maybe a little lucky," uh, but the the just improvement is on its way. That's on top one of, of the it.
2: biggest stories in this on the sports scene. Dan. That's the way I look I, at it. But
3: Mark being back in
1: the studio is
3: so great. Just for the look on his <laughs> no,
2: face disgust. that he had right there. It was he, not discussed. It's just like a, it's you know it's we a, will spend forty percent of the show in various <laughs> forms of self promotion, and there that's the first. By the way, Greg, I mean that running on the Chargers has not been a huge chore for teams this year. I mean the Browns had two hundred and thirty last week. The Chiefs had 186. The Cowboys had 196. So that's a weak spot for them. But I think the Ravens, you were dealing with a completely new crop of running backs. You've had issues along the offensive line. They've had a month now to get into shape. And to me, I mean, it's like I don't know how many other ways they can win games to pro- provide enough proof for everyone watching. that well, this way. That they're the this toughest is the way possible. that proves This was their to most me. complete game. To,
1: to win 34-6 to six against a good team you know a lot of people including myself thought the chargers would win this game that is that's different and that is scary and you're right about the run defense for the chargers because matt money smith was sitting in your chair one of those weeks and look he pointed my out my chair you know it is your chair you my, own it i am green Uh, Nice
3: self-promotion, bro. He
1: he said, like, their defense is sort of designed to funnel runs. You know, they want you to run the ball. But there's a point, and they were missing— Do they want you to run for 230 yards? No, they don't. That's what I mean. Like, they they were missing two linebackers today, Tranquil and and Kazir White. They don't have anyone in their front seven who's good except for Joey Bosa. That's a that ends up being a pretty big problem as they keep continuing down the season.
3: Um, yes, they were in total control of this matchup. All three of their veteran running backs—Latavius Murray, Le'Veon Bell, and Devonta Freeman—scored touchdowns. Le'Veon and, Bell wearing number seventeen. It just—it's hard to watch. Le'Veon Even his Bell.
1: touchdown took like it was like so a, a, a three-yard run that took like an
3: hour. It felt. Well, he's like. very patient. We <laughs> know we know that. So patient, yeah. but uh, no, Herbert, twenty-two of thirty-nine, one hundred ninety-five yards, touchdown, and a pick. You, Give them a pass. They've been great all year. Sometimes you have a bad week. This is the bad week for the Chargers, or is there something more to read into here?
1: Well, I think the defense is what I'm concerned about. The offensive line, we'll see if that continues. Uh, Yeah, I almost thought like it was good for him to. He had a bad game, too. He missed throws. He He made bad decisions on those 33 times he was pressured. He averaged one point one yards per attempt on those plays, So he was not coming up with the answers that he usually does. The defense is what I am concerned about, because I just don't think they're rounding into anything but way below average, which is not what Brandon Staley expected.
3: All right. So the Ravens, they really uh, make a statement there in week six, Greg. And I have some breaking news. Of we are just talking about the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott and the truck feed and the limp heard around the world. It's a calf strain suffered by Dak on that final play of the game. Oh. And he will be reevaluated with an MRI to come on Monday, like I said. They have a bye. So Sometimes it's your timing. year.
1: Like that's maybe it's the Cowboys year. <laughs> Unless he tore you, his
3: calf, then it's what well, I said was I
2: not to worry it's like about it. Week. He has two weeks for us not to worry about it now. <laughs> right.
3: so. But we'll see. Uh calf can be tricky, and we'll sure. see what the MRI comes up with there. Um all right. Let us move on. Darrell Williams alone the setback. They fake it to him.
4: The pass touchdown! Oh, City on the quick slant at the back of the end zone. Off play action. Tie, re-kill, and the Cheetah finds the sweet necker of the end zone when the Chiefs need it the most.
3: Mitch Holness with the call WDAF. Has the glow returned? Maybe not. <laughs> but Patrick Mahomes got his act together in the second half on Sunday, leading three touchdown drives uh, to make up for two turnovers in the first half, and he led the Chiefs to a 31-13 comeback win at Washington. The defending AFC champions get back to 500 uh, with the win and uh, came on a game where in the first half, he threw his seventh and eighth interceptions of the year. He threw six all of last season, and the second one, which happened late in the um, first half, with seconds to play on a third down deep in Washington territory, He muffs the snap and shotgun, picks it up, and then kind of has like a panic where he just throws it up for grabs and it gets intercepted. And you're just thinking to yourself, what is going on with the Chiefs this season? Because Mahomes, that was probably the worst play of his career, you could argue. And you just wonder, is this really going to go sideways? Well, Mm. At least for this week, they got it together. And, uh, Mark, the Washington football team is a good team to get healthy on against on offense, which you would never have said before the season started, but that's just the way it is because we saw it again as the big plays piled up for KC in the second half. Washington looked increasingly confused about what the hell was going on on the field.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the Washington defense, which has been under fire by, you know, analysts, uh, rightly so, gave up 499 yards. So the glow... Is off a team that had 500 yards, put up 31 points, had 29 first downs, and a really bad play from Patrick Mahomes. I just, I guess, it's like October what 16th or something. I want to wait a little bit more time before I. Today's
3: October 17th.
2: Well, you know, I mean, it's there are facts that I'm missing. What in do you shot. want to like, wait for? The, the I'm Chiefs not. Are... For, I am not going to you know drive home and maybe you know veer off the highway over con- with concerns about the Chiefs at this no. point. No, I mean.
3: I am like, <laughs> well, they won today. So. Yeah. Well, that's won. what I'm <laughs> saying. Like, if this is like this is this is concern. The i mean, right.
1: The Washington football team is maybe the worst team in the league other than, whoa, whoa, whoa. you know, the Jaguars, the Lions, the Texans, you know, they're so the, two, one of the worst teams. I, OK, that's a better way to say yeah. it. They're, but they're they're there for the me NFC. because they're asking Tyler Taylor Heineke to try to keep up with this dreadful defense. It's just not going to happen. The Mahomes pushback is is driving me a little crazy. First of all, that first pick was another drop. So he's he's had three picks. Three of those picks were dropped. And a few of them were these third down desperation plays, which he shouldn't Mm -hmm. make. This play reminded me a lot of the Ravens interception, which which was one of the worst plays of his career too. But I saw multiple tweets today. One mentioned his mother. Uh, that she couldn't make an excuse for this. I guess she was tweeting about it. What? Um, so you that, know, that feels like a this little this bit one wasn't, getting... This one wasn't like, his mom can't blame it on uh, someone else. And then it asked the question, has the league figured Patrick Mom's out? Wait, who's tweeting this stuff? Uh, someone who I had to block, All who, right, has, me, a Twitter, who right? has a lot of followers, who has a lot of followers. I blocked him just because sometimes your take is so Mahomes. bad, you don't get muted, you get blocked. Uh, uh, and then S- SpotRack, which I love, did a tweet halfway through the game him. again. Don't. um, Did you say spice rack? Spot spot rack. rack. Spot rack. You know that that, contract? Yes. yes. Contracts. Yes. I like. Don't tweet halfway through games too much. Uh, They put up something about how much money he has left on his contract and how much is fully guaranteed as if the contract was a problem. Just shut up. What are you talking about? They are literally first in the league in in yards and points per drive this year. I just want to point that out. Mm -hmm. Just just want to point that out. I'm with you, although I'm I'm after your your tirade there,
2: I'm. I'm I would say it's 50-50, Dan, that I've been blocked by Greg at some point. I, have I not annoyed I him? Found I found the guy that he blocked.
3: That- I won't say who it is, but if you want to, just like I was able to put together the clues based on Greg's commentary, you could find it in seconds. And that as person
2: well. probably, or maybe, or possibly is listening, and Greg is just—he's just, well, he, he's, he's just burning more it. bridges left and right with <laughs> I media doubt, figures.
1: Then, then have better takes than that.
3: <laughs> That's—it's a, a terrible take, um, because yes, if you are really watching the games, uh, you're not seeing a league that's figuring out Mahomes, you're seeing a little bit of a wonky start to the season, some bad luck and then some pressing. And I thought the interception at the end of the second quarter, which is why I was just like scratching my head is like, man, when have you seen Mahomes um, look kind of scatterbrained in a moment like that? And it just doesn't happen a lot. So I thought the second half here was very important uh, for the Chiefs in terms of just, okay, let's calm things down. We're back to 500. Uh, The Chargers just got their ass beat. Uh, So they're not going to run away and hide on us. We have a chance to get this thing under control. Uh, So I think it's not a win that solves all their problems, but it's a very nice victory to take uh, moving forward. Right, and I'm not even trying to say there aren't
1: problems. I'm just saying let's use the context that he's coming off the best – first three seasons as a starter in the history of the nfl Uh, kind of and and what if we told you
2: three years ago that three years (laughs) from now he's going to make this interception that has everyone you know mildly melting well that it would be the one time he's done that i take it
3: all right uh
0: let's take a break and then we'll bring in the pipe you go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better
5: Second and 13, Cousins shotgun looking to the left, steps up in the pocket, he'll fade to the
4: end zone for KJ, caught,
5: and touchdown!
4: And the Minnesota Vikings have walked off on the Carolina Panthers.
3: Oh, Paul Allen with the call, KFAN. Kirk Cousins completed a 27-yard touchdown pass to KJ Osborne on the first possession of overtime, lifting the Vikings to a 34-28 win over the Panthers, who are... 0-3 0-3 since their 3-0 start. Now, we welcome in, as promised, Nick Shook, the pipe, who had eyes on this game and wrote about it for NFL.com. Shooky, for the second straight week, the Vikings gagged away a fourth-quarter lead, and for the second straight week, they
6: found a way. They found a way after, I would say, two to two-and-a-half quarters of some of the most frustrating football you're ever going to watch. If you're a traditionalist, you say well, that's just great defense, but if you're a realist, you realize that it was one offense struggling to move the ball against a good defense and the other offense struggling to do anything because its quarterback couldn't get out of its own way and they were missing their best playmaker on offense. And then that all didn't matter suddenly within the course of a blocked punt and a fourth quarter, everything just flew off the handle. We ended up in overtime of a game that I didn't even know if we'd ever actually get to the end of because it was so (laughs) quiet in Bank of America Stadium that I thought people might just fall asleep. Uh, Completely turned it on on its head and uh, became a a thrilling game. But yeah, um, you know we got a thrilling overtime finish, and really it was a product of the fact that the Vikings don't know how to close the game. There's this this was a Sessler game
1: too, and he was very frustrated at the
2: pace of play. To your point, Nick, that like you know it's it's sitting there in overtime. Um, you know, with it, and I'm watching the Browns Cardinals game. First quarter end, so it it it, it waged <laughs> oh. on. And I think if you watch the end of the game, you'd think differently about Kirk Cousins and the Vikings offense, which you're right was extremely frustrating. It went into a deep slumber for long stretches of this game, and Sam Darnold spent three plus quarters convincing you that he's not going to be able to carry the Panthers through this season unless they get Christian McCaffrey back for the rest of the year when he comes back
1: from his injury. And I mean, the Vikings I, did put up 571. Yeah, but it, but, and but and it they, was nothing it,
2: like that, right? It I mean, they had 16 like unanswered points and stormed back, but they they really looked troubled for a big chunk of this game.
6: Yeah, I think at one point for on the the Panthers side, Sam Darnold had as many completions overall as Adam Thielen, Thielen had receptions. They both were, had eight.
2: He did, and Dan and I noticed that that Darnold at one point um, was so off targeted he threw an he overthrew a pass into the end zone area and grazed a. A woman, Dan. Yeah.
3: Yes, an attractive one. Well, I'm Young just, woman I'm took a shot to the arm. arm. But he, yes. her, he
2: and she was she wasn't really watching the game closely, and it it, it surprised her.
3: And then yeah, and she, Darnold kind of saved saved himself uh, with a 96 yard drive there. They convert a fourth and forever from his own goal line, and then march all the way down the field, get the two point conversion. So it kind of saves Darnold for a, a lot of criticism this week. He but still finishes 17 for 41 with a couple turnovers. Right. <laughs> a so it's like it, for me right now, like. Listen. and nobody's breaking news here that Sam Darnold is not a guy that's going to be able to carry this team by himself and which ties in, I think, and it connects to the Panthers' botching the Christian McCaffrey situation here. There's no way around it that they know how important he is to the offense. So they kind of set things up in a way where they try to get him back maybe sooner. They didn't put him on IR initially. Obviously, now there's a setback because now he's back on IR or he finally heads to IR. And now he's back week nine at the earliest. So now you're in a situation, Shoki, where you have Sam Darnold's going to be out there alone with Robbie Anderson, who he has very little chemistry with all of a sudden. And you need DJ Moore to step up week to week. It, it none of this really points in a great direction, especially when the league best as it was set up to us going into this game. Panthers D got shredded today by the
6: Vikings. I thought we were tossing those rankings out. No, this is yeah. uh, this is an example of two defining traits of the David Tepper Panthers and really the Matt Rule pa- Panthers so far. It's, one, they don't know how to manage Christian McCaffrey injuries. They didn't really manage it very well last year either, if you go back and think about that, when they probably should have shut them down in a lost season and toyed with it and toyed with it and toyed with it until the final few weeks. And also, they're hyper-aggressive because they thought, you know, they get out to this 3-0 start and they're like, we have to capitalize on this. We're going to make moves. You know, we're going to make trades and so on and so forth. And ultimately, what do you get? You get a team that still, its fate rests on the shoulders and on the arm of Sam Darnold, who does not have his best player because you can't manage his health effectively. And this is what you get. And I know they got to overtime and they almost won the game and they should be commended for fighting because they were down 11 in the fourth quarter. But man, I, I have a debate ongoing with a buddy. Which 3-0 and team is for real or less real than the other one? And right now, between the Broncos and the Panthers, I think the Panthers are losing that battle, and games like today kind of tell yes. me that.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I still look at the Panthers, we'll like the Panthers as a well-coached team. Um, from the Vikings side, real quick, because I know this drove Greg nuts, that I, I put Mike Zimmer in that Mike McCarthy category, where uh, this is not a cutting-edge um, time clock manager or sort of late-game decision guy, but also... Positive for the Vikings, KJ Osborne. I mean, I like you start to realize that this wide receiver group is dangerous. And to talk about the Vikings going to sleep, you're still getting moments from Kirk Cousins. And I know that the probably the experience will end at some point with Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. He's playing really well when he when things are going good he, for the Vikings. He's great. He's yeah.
1: he's very good. And K- Osborne has won them a couple of these games with the plays that he, he is a legit number three you have multiple chances to put the Panthers away late in the game. And Mike Zimmer's still coaching like he's coaching some elite defense and that it's, you know, 2002 or something like that. It he, All he had to do was call a couple passes and let Kirk Cousins win on first or second down on some of the last drives. And then you wouldn't have had to go to overtime. Sam Darnold only got a chance because Mike Zimmer's running on third and long. It's like. Let, let your best players make the plays. Like Thielen, Jefferson, Cousins, let them make the plays. I do enjoy being back in the office
2: just to hear Greg's temperature, I guess to, 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 to see the Greg's zimmers. temperature just rising
1: Well, it's, all, it's always It's yeah. always these tough guy head coaches too. Like, right. like uh, we're, we're going to be really tough. And then they coach pretty scared. Like they coach like they're afraid yeah. to lose. So that part I don't get.
6: Yeah, it's exactly that you're exactly right. He's coaching not to lose. And the funny thing too is, you know, we talked about five hundred and seventy one yards of total offense and, and how it didn't look like that at all. Here's another stat for you that people won't realize when they talk about Kirk Cousins. He's thrown three or more touchdowns and zero interceptions in five of his last games. He has eleven such instances in which he's done that since twenty twenty. Only one quarterback has done that more, Aaron Rodgers. And yet Kirk doesn't get <laughs> Let the respect that I think sometimes he doesn't get the ball It's put gonna in his hands to go do it. It's going to happen
3: again. Everyone's going to bury Kirk Cousins during the season, during the offseason. Then you'll look at his stats like, oh, what did he do last year? He was probably like 21 touchdowns, 23 picks, pass rating of 87. No, he's going to throw for 37 touchdowns <laughs> and 12 interceptions and throw for 4,700 yards. And uh, he is not the problem in Minnesota. It never has been. But he's a little annoying.
2: I, I mean, think that's I a, think that, that's a his huge coach part doesn't like of it. him.
3: It's the I, his shove <laughs> of Zimmer
1: actually was like the, my favorite thing Kirk Cousins has maybe ever done. I love it. And now, it. I've, now I'm all in on Kirk but Cousins. But yet, highly awkward because he
3: specializes in highly awkward. <laughs> well, my favorite Kirk Cousins moment, uh, other than his declaration that he would put himself in a plexiglass cube to protect himself from coronavirus instead of getting the coronavirus vaccine was when he uh, put up video of his own gender reveal his wife was expecting, and his job was to throw a football and hit the target to reveal like blue or pink plume of smoke. Just to be
2: clear, not his own gender reveal, uh, the gender of the child. I think that's established,
3: yeah, the child. Uh, And he basically missed the target with the ball. And they're like, let's throw it up live anyway. Let's put it up on the old gram. How about a retake on that? Uh, all right, Shooky, I know you uh, You told me you're in downtown Cleveland and there's some upset people outside the window, hopefully not climbing up to the window uh, because some crazy, unfortunate stuff went down for your uh, hometown brownies on Sunday. Straight
5: drop back for Kyler. Steps up, lobs it back at the end zone. Wide open is Hopkins and a Touchdown. Kyler stepping up again. Finds DeAndre
3: Hopkins, and that's a big score late in the third to make it 29-14. Dave Pash KTAR, with the call. Kyler Murray's. Is it too soon, Greg, to talk about MVP marches? Because it's in full swagger mode. The Cardinals quarterback threw four more touchdown passes without a pick and a 37-14 win over a, let's let's just call it, an outclassed and beat-up Browns team in Cleveland. Mark, um, watch us next to you. You had uh, a foreboding uh, vibe from the start. You didn't feel good about it. And if you take out a Hail Mary, this thing was almost an embarrassment for the Browns.
2: Yeah, I mean, but let's, you know, the Cardinals, a team that passes every test. I, I don't think that we understand how many challenges arise when you don't have your head coach um, going to the game when essentially your head coach is the only play caller you have. They Apparently had
1: to... not that many. Well,
2: no, I mean, it, that's a thing. <laughs> they completely made it look easy. And you have like Colt McCoy and Kyler Murray and a gaggle of coaches helping to call plays on the sideline. And they completely outclassed Cleveland. At the point where in the middle, you know, at halftime I'm thinking, do I need to give um, a Super Bowl ticket to Jason Zumwalt, our, our voiceover friend, our friend and our Cardinals fan, our resident Cardinals fan here, because they look that kind, like that kind of team to me right now. kind of depends you, what
3: kind of text he sent you today. Was, was he nice about delightful. it okay, Delightful. Delightful.
2: He's a classy guy too. Um, but, you know, Shook and I texted a little bit during this too. And, you know, this reminded me of the 2019 Browns because you remove – both both tackles, right and left tackle, not in this game. And you had Baker running for his life, and it led to two killer strip sacks. Um, he had a bad interception in this game. It just it reminded me of old chaotic times where everything that we've seen and observed of our Kevin Stefanski, that structure was missing today. And the floor fell out, and you're playing a team that I think, you know, from a Cardinals side – just, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins three touchdowns, one where he was all alone in the end zone, total breakdown. They find a way to completely overwhelm defenses, and in this case, I mean, I, I you know, you guys got a little annoyed at me because it was like five minutes into the game, and I just said this thing is over. But Browns <laughs> fans understand, and I think if you're white, well, part you say it,
3: that every Browns game for any time not, they get I up really to a slow start. Said,
2: I really haven't said that in a long, long time. It because, was
1: scoreless, and you said they are gonna get. Drop today. And you, were right. you were right. You were right. <laughs> a
2: lot of it has to do with the Cardinals and who they are. They're so aggressive. They're so resilient. When they make a mistake, they don't care. They keep pressing. And today, I think they basically said, "Forget the Cleveland Browns. We're the team you need to be talking about."
6: Yeah, I mean, Mark had great reason to feel that way because they just played an aggressive offense the week prior and got 47 hung on them. And uh, they were about as banged up going into this game this week, so there was no reason to, to feel otherwise or expect anything else. Uh, so, so for this to be the product, I was actually oh, surprised. Me. Come on, Bo- both you Browns fans, don't act like
3: now that you were some. They were type favored of in this underdog. game. Underdogs. Everyone I, I
2: picked could, them Greg in this keeps, game. keeps. I could care less. You're in your building. Favorite. That's absurd. No, You're in your no building.
3: You have, great, you have a great. You uh, have a great group of playmakers. I mean. Let's not say like the the little old Browns have no chance
6: in this game. They, they got whooped in their building and then sometimes you just get beat up. Well, no, not everybody picked them because I didn't pick them. I picked the Cardinals. I don't know how they were possibly favored. You don't <laughs> have Nick you. Chubb going to this game. You didn't have Jarvis Landry. Yes, that's right. I, I will stand on this. Uh, they, they didn't have Jarvis Landry. They didn't have both their tackles. Their center was questionable until the game today. You know, you we went into the weekend questionable. You had a number of injuries and guys kind of coming back from injury on the defensive side of the football. The Cardinals so didn't have Chandler probably-
3: Jones or their head coach. They they didn't, or Rodney saying.
6: Hudson, yeah. And then they had ever they had Kyler Murray, and they had all of their top receivers. They had DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, AJ Green, all who victimized the Browns as expected. James Conner had probably his best day as a Cardinal today. You look good. Uh, they, everything that happened was what I expected. What I didn't expect is that the Browns would fall apart even more than they did. Baker hanging onto the ball too long, getting strip sacked twice, re-injuring his shoulder. The interception was horrible, but I I come to expect that from him every once in a while. That's just who he is. And then you have the the most negative part of the game, which is losing Kareem Hunt to a non-contact calf injury. Which I I, I you know they sounded everyone was like, oh it's not Achilles, we're really optimistic. That's great news. You look pretty banged up. Optimistic feels
2: yeah. like a stretch. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, they yeah. play, and they play Thursday, and so we have no idea yeah. what sort of shape they'll be Bad in. in their three and three. Bad
3: timing the for pro- the Thursday night game. Baker, by the way, after the game, his arms in a sling. And he re-aggravated the injury on a hit from J.J. Watt where he kind of got driven into the ground awkwardly right on that bad left shoulder. After the game, he said, uh, when asked about uh, how he was feeling, he said, feels like s***." So he's pretty straightforward, but he wants (laughs) to play. And Baker is a badass. He's a tough dude. Um, But the short turnaround here makes you think that Case Keenum's in play for week seven.
6: Mm. maybe I mean he came back and played in this game I think it's gonna be a pain management thing because the nature of those injuries and I am no doctor but I have suffered and I'm not a quarterback either but I have suffered torn labrums before it can't really get that much worse and it's his non-throwing shoulder so I think he could be able to manage it I wasn't surprised to see him come back in the game that's also kind of the guy he is um but you're right the short week I think that they've got a long road ahead of them unless they can get healthy in a relatively quick fashion, which, you know, you leave that up to medicine. It's, it's not like you're just trying to bounce back from something. But I do want to say this. We've had some listeners in the last couple of weeks give us some some crap for not giving the Cardinals enough credit. So I'm going to give them their flowers. They dominated hmm. this game. I don't think this was their statement win of the year. That was the Rams win because of all the guys. The How about missing. the
1: Titans? They have three of the best Victories that any team has had all year. All three are on the road. All three were blowouts. Week one was such a stunner. I know it's the Titans, but the Titans are, are a playoff team, and that that was huge. They destroyed the Rams and they destroyed the Browns. They they have to be their coaching staff has to be given a lot of credit. Like this offensive line, especially, which doesn't look great on paper, always protects very well, and they're getting the job done.
6: It's crazy. It helps when you're protecting Kyler Murray, too. Uh, and I think they're just playing great football right now. Now, you could say they got the benefit of, I think there were six penalties and seven plays in one drive, but that was not the course of this game. They, they dominated this game. And I, I'll i feel very confident picking them going forward, no matter who they're playing. I mean, they're, they're just mm, some, they they're look like the best team legitimate. in the are completely legitimate. I
2: do wonder if you're Cliff Kingsbury or any coach where suddenly you're home on your couch and the team dominates, it's like, wait a minute, what, what, how, how do we need you? Are you important? I mean, he is important. Just stay home. Stay in that
3: mansion. <laughs> That well, when we missed you in London, but did you sense some of that when we were thriving in London and you were either I mean, like,
2: "Do you under, Do you know me at all?" I spent the whole time thinking like I'm getting replaced by every other guy in the studio on every show. So this is troubling to some degree. No,
3: we weren't the same. <laughs> Working at you, CVS
2: like. three weeks from now.
3: Please. Um. All right, Chucky. Is it? Are you in danger? By the way, because unruly Cleveland fans. That that sounds dangerous potentially. You're a big man. You could you could fend for yourself though.
6: Well, okay. So you said uh, I hope they don't climb up through the window. I, I mean, I'm not penthouse here. We're no. low level, but we're you got to be Spider-Man to get up here cuz right. this is a very tall building. So, I, we're okay there. Okay. Having said that, I'm still within earshot. And I went to go make a pot of coffee right before uh Sunday night football kicked off, and all I heard was people shouting and and laying on the horns to get out of the traffic jam and one guy just goes to the corner of the street I happen to be looking out there. He just looks up to the sky, the night sky in Cleveland, and goes, I hate the Browns. Oh, <laughs> oh we're back there again. This I is mean, week good.
1: Six, if <laughs> we anything, need six we need I to mean, send you down there and, and do some on the street reporting in the future. It's like, you know, <laughs> war combat reporting. Or, so
2: how about this? You, like, you have a pot of hot coffee you can throw out the window. Secondly, imagine <laughs> being like a wayward Browns fan who climbs up a wall and breaks into someone's apartment and it's Nick Shook standing there. I think yeah, that would be a good move. Your day just got so. worse.
3: And that's, you know, there's real real fans in, in the Midwest and in Western Ohio, anywhere wow. in Ohio. What? I mean, Mark kind of just suggested maybe just this guy just pour some scalded coffee <laughs> out of just for yelling. If things at get guy. that
1: ugly. You have hot coffee at your
2: side. To,
3: I was just know. I was just saying that. I assume that fan was returning from the game. Sometimes you sleep on like when you go to a game, and you, you pay the hundreds of dollars for the ticket and the $80 for parking and then the concessions. And you get waxed. And then your team gets waxed and you're right. miserable for four hours in the building and then you're in traffic. <laughs> you might react to the heavens as well.
1: It's, it's one of yeah. the more underrated things about live sports is that it's so much worse to be there live. Like yeah. I ultimately, well, am, I don't know. In a, in a heartbreaking circumstance yes. like that, you would have rather been at home. And the money's part of it too, because right. you're thinking, "I just paid, spent five hundred dollars to feel like I got kicked in the
3: nuts." Conversely, if you're at a truly special uh, live course. event, it's something you, it stays with you forever, and you can't put a price on that. All
6: right, Chucky, we love you, baby. I will say I, yes. that's how I spent most Sundays of my childhood. I was fortunate enough; to, my family had season tickets to the Browns for Emperor many Greg. years. Right. This is not a alien lot. territory for you. A lot of sad car rides home. Oh, in no that talking weekend,
3: feel. Dad's not talking <laughs> the boys know to be quiet. All right there he goes Nick shook thank you buddy. All right let's move on. Uh, yes uh, the Cardinals are the only undefeated team in football through three weeks the Raiders and Broncos were also undefeated things went sideways for both teams especially in the case of the Raiders but things took a turn for the better on Sunday.
0: Car takes a snap lobs it down toward
5: caught by Edwards he's free 35 30 25 pushed out of bounds
4: at the 20 yard line Edwards broke free and Derek Carr lobbed it to him down the near sideline
3: that was the play of the game Brian Edwards down the sideline in the fourth quarter beautifully thrown ball by Derek Carr the third down conversion salted away a really big victory for the Raiders who go to mile high and lay a 34-24 win um, uh, hand a 34-24 loss I should say to their rivals in a game Greg that obviously with the background of John Gruden's stunning resignation and the uh, taking over the special teams coach uh, takes over and you wonder which way this is going to go well it went the Raiders way in a big way on Sunday.
1: The fighting basachias watch out I mean, they they looked like a team. That felt a little free, you know. It, it, oh, here we go. <laughs> this is old this, narrative ball. This is Greg's. Story. I'm yeah. just having a little fun with. It. Hey, you get rid of this guy <laughs> who was the domineering um, personality, oh, here and we go. you come out for this first week. And you play free. You play aggressive. What about when they were
3: three and zero? Was his domineering attitude a problem? They didn't play a game then? this good. They didn't play a game this
1: complete. I'm not oh, they saying didn't play don't make Roncos. me defend
3: John Gruden. I'm not saying in he's a problem or Greg. a solution. All I'm saying
1: is <laughs> they showed up and they played excellent football on both sides of the ball. Derek Carr's been great all season, and I, I do think part of this was a matchup. Um, advantage for the Raiders that they, you know, they probably would have won this game anyways because I think their biggest problem right now is their offensive line. And the Broncos just don't have a pass rush. They they could not hurt the Raiders' biggest weakness, which is, which is up front. And if you give Derek Carr a little bit of time, he's going to spin some magic. He only threw 27 passes to get to 341. He has been awesome this year, and his receivers, Ruggs, Edwards, Waller, even Drake made a great play that the running back all made great catches on some really pretty throws and it just goes to show like you can have a great secondary. And I think the Broncos have a very good secondary. It's not going to matter unless you get some pressure up front. And on the flip side, like the Raiders destroyed Teddy Bridgewater like he was shook by the end of this game. They hit him. Early, often, almost every time he went back, And that Raiders pass rush we saw in Week One was all the way back. Max Crosby played about as well as you can play a game today, and they took it to him. There was some garbage time uh, sprinkling on here, but the Raiders could have won this game by even more.
2: The Teddy, the Teddy interceptions were these, uh, you know, on him or not? There are three of them.
1: One was, one was you know, with t- 12 seconds left, one was uh, terrible. Really, the first two were, yeah, were absolutely on him. One was kind of a, you just threw it up at a certain point in the game where where you almost felt like the decision was justified because they weren't doing anything. And he throws up a jump ball and gets picked off. The first one was on a, on a fourth down bad throw. He, he didn't play great they had penalties in key spots. They had drops in key spots, but I felt like at least the way these two teams were constituted today, they could have played this game 10 times and it wouldn't have mattered. Every phase of the Raiders was, was superior to what the Broncos put out there.
3: Teddy also missed a, what should be a layup touchdown to court? That was Sutton a big play in this
1: game down the left
3: sideline. Uh, he was wide open. He had his defender beat by four steps and he overshot him. Um, but I'm not, there's no need to pile on Teddy Bridgewater. But I think we it all know. It was probably
1: his worst game, though. I will, yeah.
3: will say. I mean, that thir- sure. yeah, his stats don't really tell the story because he did end up going over 300 with three touchdowns, but he was. You know, he's just he's Teddy Bridgewater and that's just who he is. And if he doesn't have the right setup around him, it's not going to happen uh, for the Broncos. And for the Broncos, the whole idea, Greg, and I know injuries have played a role with this team as well. The whole idea was that the defense was going to be nasty. And Von Miller, you know, this is a disappearing act for Von Miller in this game, not to put all the loss on any one player, not Teddy, not Vaughn. But when you need somebody to make a big play and you're talking about where is the Broncos pass rush? Well, Vaughn Miller is a guy that you need to step up in a game like this. And he was not a big presence.
1: That's absolutely right. And I think he's played pretty well for the most part this year. But when you only have one pass rusher, it just makes it easier to stop that one pass rusher. They're very injured at the second level too. their linebackers. Are are getting smoked. They're getting pushed around. Even the Raiders could even run the ball a little bit. The play calling I thought was good from Greg Olson. It's a new play co- caller, and some some big time Raiders. You know, backers who watch this were, were noticing some different variations to what they were doing. Uh, create creativity, some plays down the field, but it's also just the players. Rugs is turning into a really good player. Mm-hmm. Cars having the best season in my mind of his career so far.
2: I love seeing this for the Raiders. Looking at. The long receptions. Ruggs 48, Edwards 51. They have a 33 yarder, a 31 yarder, 25, 29. Mm. I mean, just go be that offense. Just go throw the ball down the field and, you know, throw caution to the wind. Basaccia, it's the Basaccia era. I'm not into it the way you are, Greg. I mean, I really am not. We heard. I just, am having fun
1: because like, Dan like, is annoyed that I think that I was, it's on my radar g- a little bit. I gave Spice Rack some love on the show. It's I thought my radar. it was amazing. Spice Wreck basically had had an idea to fade, you know, to go against <laughs> the racial controversy uh, a, a week. Desert ago. wise. Yes. And it worked. And then this week he felt just as strong that the Raiders are going to walk in this game <laughs> because they're all because his big theory. When you get the interim coach, you get one great game like this. Uh, uh, and,
3: and you know, to be that fair, was spot on. That was great. It was right. And you a- Andrew yeah. Hawkins,
1: a former player who's been around some fired bad coaches he said the exact same thing. He said that first game, you're so excited. He picked the Raiders because of it, too. It seems silly, but I don't know. <laughs> so, and the, the
2: difference is, too, is that typically the interim coach comes in to take an absolute disaster, a ship sinking, you know, for four or five weeks. This is a better team well, and a better so, It's an okay team. So it's an okay
3: team. That's the point I wanted to make because – and I don't want this to get painted as, like, Dan's defending John Gruden because no one's defending John Gruden right now. But it I thought interesting, was interesting, no, though, that you
1: don't one. think he should have been fired. I mean, you I mean, could
3: paint is, it that way. It just email. No, they obviously <laughs> he not. got he got his just desserts, uh, if that's the right way to put it. Uh, he deserves everything that happened to him. But um, some of the recency bias in the analysis immediately firing uh, following the resignation was like John Gruden was a terrible coach and a terrible team builder. And this team is. Bad. It was bad when he got here, and it bad when he left. Well, yeah, because they had lost back-to-back games to the Chargers and Bears. Uh, but this is also a team that won three games to start the season. Now we get another big performance. All I'm saying is that. First of all, I'm Team Basachi. I'm on the Basachi Army. Sure, as well. of course. I'm, no one's questioning I'm front that. lines on no. that. Uh, but it <laughs> wasn't like when Gruden left that this Raiders team was in total disarray. There are pieces in place here for this team to continue on a trajectory toward the playoffs. And it's not over just because Gruden's gone.
1: I, I agree. And I, I think... Look, Gruden's been there four years. He's way under 500 in those four years. But I think this is the best Raiders team he's had. Even this, yeah, I would That's have all said I'm that kind of saying. Because it's you.
3: not just you. There's, the there's deep, a lot of the analysis. It's the defense analysis. for me.
1: Because I think right. they, their defensive line is a thing, and they've never had anything on defense. And it really is a thing.
3: That My point is, yeah, that after the firing, it was like, Gruden was a terrible hire, and look where the Raiders are now. It's like, all right, if you only paid attention to football in the last 14 days, you would say the Raiders are a total mess right now. But this team has a chance uh, to do something still this season. I thought this performance wakes everyone up to that, that the Raiders aren't dead, even if John Gruden's career
2: is. And and that Broncos 3-0 start that Shook mentioned, they beat the Giants, the Jaguars, and the Jets. They beat them so convincingly. Though, I that's yeah, yeah. fine, but this is well, no, they never scored more than twenty-seven points in any of those games. And so my we'll favorite see.
1: story during the broadcast I don't know if they were talking about Teddy or it was this tight end sauber about how he does not have TV at home, so he didn't know Gruden had been fired until the the whole next day. <laughs> I was like, well, he doesn't have internet either? Um, he <laughs> I mean, does. not he, He's never watched TV. He's like, he's the there grid. all day and then he gets home and he just he, that's it. I was and like, OK,
3: I think you this is something you said as well, Greg, when I was pushing back on the Broncos, as I often do as Broncos fans get mad about that. And I was talking about their schedule and you're like, well, good teams beat up on bad teams. That's what good teams do. No, actually, good teams beat good teams and they win those games. Beating bad teams is OK, whatever. You got to beat some good teams. And and we have not seen Denver do that yet this season. Their strengths aren't their strengths.
1: a lot of it is injuries, you know, you know, losing six or seven starters. They were not a team that could that could deal with that. Um, But some of their strengths in the secondary, we thought they were going to be great that feels a little overrated right now, and certainly the depth of their their skill positions have been diminished to a point where, you know, I the Browns have to be very excited that the Broncos are the team they're playing on Thursday. We'll get to previewing oh, but that game. The Broncos could be equally excited. Right. I'm just, I just mean that that could be a get-right game. For, for one of those teams, it absolutely will be.
3: All right, let's take a break, and then we will continue on.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring,
4: From the Giants three, from a bunch to the right, here comes Robert Wood. They fake the handoff his way. Roll right, throw right, to the pylon. Cooper Cup. He's got it! Touchdown, LA!
3: JB along with the call for KSPN. You know, Maurice jones true, MJD, our buddy who's in London. He was still in London yep. this week. So what is he just, he tells the Rams, I'll see you in a couple weeks? Then JB just sits in that booth by himself, like Vince Scully? We'll have to do some digging on this one. I, MJD's kind of a, got a good setup.
2: It's a great move by MJD.
3: Matthew Stafford threw three of his four touchdown passes in a 28-point second quarter for the Rams, including that connection to Cooper Cup, who continues to be otherworldly this season. The Rams cruise to a 38-11 win over the at the Meadowlands. Mark, sounds like this one went the way everyone pretty much expected. Healthy, good team beats up on injury-decimated bad one.
2: Uh, precisely, a total butt womping. The kind of game where you know we're covering these things. And oh. did, you, did you write down butt womping? Total butt womping is how I <laughs> how I describe the game to it. myself. Um, it was it was a tough watch. He, he did write it.
3: That's it, how I felt. Is womping w h o m p w h ah. o m p Amazing, and it's Got highlighted.
1: It. And he also can I say he also wrote traveled three thousand miles to drop a dirty bomb on the G-man. Well, you I know love because it's, it's constant. I it's, love it's, those we're always notes.
2: talking about these. Now, the Chargers are an example. You West Coast team that goes east, it's these stats ah, that, they, that. They, they're sleeping through it. it. The Rams get said, win. forget that narrative. And they, I mean, Have
3: you seen how these guys fly to games now? It's not 1974 it's, anymore. Exactly. They're not this taking is, the the plane with the propellers on the side. No,
2: you're not bagging, bagging steerage with like pets and bags. Right. Like, like, like if,
1: if they can ask Trent Green to overcome jet lag to announce a game, I think the Rams will be fine traveling like four hours. Is in a private place. It's ahead, very Mark. true. I mean, the, the jet lag <laughs> team looked to be the
2: Giants. And this was, you know, Daniel Jones had two turnovers coming into this game. And there were a lot of reasons to look at Daniel Jones and say, maybe he's finally rounding into shape. Today was a disaster. Uh, Strip sacked, picked, both led, you know, four turnovers led to 21 points for the Rams. And Stafford, whose finger was hurt two Thursdays ago, looked clean throwing the ball. Uh, and you mentioned Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup, this is from Rams PR. In the last 35 years, Here are the list of players with 600 yards receiving and seven touchdowns through week six. Oh, dang. Cooper Cup in 2021 and in 2007, Randy Moss. That's the list. Listen,
3: that is such an interesting stat because we all love Cooper Cup. He's been an impact player for them since he came into the league. I think he was a second round pick. Um, But the fact that he's he's taken his game and he had a reconstructive uh, knee surgery in the mix here as well. He's taken his game to this level. I don't think anybody saw this coming. Like that he's like at a like a rich man's Adam Thielen level, not mm. to go apples to apples. In I'm terms really of into this. Looks, Steve,
1: someone called him Steve Smith. And and ever since that, I've been watching him as if he's Steve Smith. He's a little bigger than Steve Smith. And I'm like, I can see that. That's interesting. Peak, peak Steve Smith. I got to give Daniel Jeremiah credit. I mean, he kind of was in on this c- cup thing, like before uh, the draft. Right, even he s- said r- he's scrub this be- out well, of the he's show. He's doing Raver. his job. If he's if he was correct, that's what <laughs> his job is. They they are they are 5 and 1. The top of the NFC is like really good. I mean, that it's a very basic comment, but like Cowboys, no, Packers, you the analysis. Bucks, Cardinals, Rams are all 5 and 1 or better and they all have to feel like, well, we could win the Super Bowl this year, of course. Sure. Of course they all feel like that and they've all it's going to be a big you know, a tough race, especially in that division. One of those teams is going to have to play three road games between the Cardinals and Rams at this point. It feels like a two-team race. I
2: will tell you, you know, Dan, we grew up watching these G-men back in the day, and there wasn't a lot of this back in the 80s and early 90s, but you could audibly hear the Giants fans having a bad time at this game. Oh, it was it was rough. Uh, we do have a little bit of breaking news, though.
1: Oh, yeah. oh wow. <laughs> really putting
3: Graver in that. Graver is like, Gravedigger to are working overtime
1: just want
2: to let you know 38 to 11 the final score is a scorigami it is the 1067th or unique final score in nfl history i know that that categorizes breaking news on this show i'm assuming
3: the only thing i hate more than scorigami is win probability percentage. what is oh. why
2: do you what is the or problem unnecessary
3: with use of breaking news
1: it's a nice <laughs> well tidbit. you specialize I, in that it's from what not what I recall. breaking news you got the news Hours ago. Well, you didn't know that. You didn't know that I did because for some reason, Ely. Well, also uh, because you just
2: spent three minutes looking at this. My (laughs) screen. So, you know, I
3: (laughs) exactly I've been um, (laughs) living out here in Los Angeles for 11 years now, but I'm always uh, in in my heart. I'm a New Yorker and um, it's been a tough, tough ride for New York sports for the past decade or so. And uh, Giants fans, you know, you turn to football as a something to fall back on after the baseball season turns flat. Uh, and then the Giants are dead and buried uh, by the middle of October, and that's exactly where they are. There's no coming back for the Giants from this. Uh, so now it's Knicks season, and the Knicks are undefeated mm. in the preseason, and maybe that turns out Maybe better. you get
1: excited that the, that the NFC wild card, like the seventh spot. The I New York know, City Ballet it's, is it's tough. Thriving. Canarius Toney was the one reason to be excited about this team, and he goes out with an injury early in this game, and that just feels so typical And he of this had season. three
2: catches for like 36 yards in the first couple minutes, then he was out, so –
3: All right, we can't make you wait any longer, and we thank you, fans, um, for your patience. Here is the Texans-Colts analysis. (laughs) First and ten, Wentz, outside zone, and big hole, Taylor, 20, 25, 30, down the far sideline, tiptoeing, he's at the 50, he's at the 40, cuts back, now he's at the 30, the 20, the 10, and he's Drive down inside the 10. He'll be dropped at
4: the four-yard line. What a run. Jonathan Taylor, the biggest gallop all day. First and goal for the Colts.
3: I was tasting those curly fries. <laughs> wow. I don't know. Okay, I don't mean, want the context. Now put that put anything. that in the in the vaults for <laughs> best calls of the year. Just the curly flies alone. Okay. That was Rick Venturi, I think, with the curly fry comment with Matt Taylor of WFNI. Oh yeah, Jonathan Taylor, he's on a roll now. The running back set up a touchdown with that 83-yard burst. He scored two more touchdowns of his own, and a 31-3 romp by the Colts over the Texans. Carson Wentz also threw two touchdowns for Indy, who bounced back beautifully from the savagery of their Monday night meltdown to the Ravens six days earlier. Greg, life in the AFC South is good in how it provides these soft landings in this (laughs) game. It's true. Uh, By the
1: Tuesday, the Colts could be only one game back of the Titans if the Bills can can win that Monday nighter. And I like that we saw with the Colts a little bit of identity here, which we have not seen, which was explosive plays. Paris Campbell catches a 51-yard touchdown on a really nice throw by Wentz. Then Paris Campbell goes out with an injury, so you kind of got the ultimate Paris Campbell performance. But you also got 52 yards uh, on a catch from T.Y. Hilton, who was playing his first game of the year. And you had that explosive Taylor play, and you had some explosive defensive Plays. It didn't feel like this game was thirty-one to three. They they were very even in yardage. Hmm. The Texans actually had more first downs, but the Colts were in control, and their defense has really shown up. I know they didn't finish out that Ravens game, but they've really shown up the last uh, what seven? You know, for the most part, the last three games when they didn't at all uh, in the first. You know, month of the season. And that gives him some hope that at least we can crawl back. And Carson Wentz uh, keeps getting better every week, really. I was going to ask, why does Jonathan Taylor, who's
2: playing the way he is, have only fourteen carries. We I mean, had one hundred and forty-five yards. You know, because he
1: was like six for eight before that eighty-three yard in in the third quarter. They were not running the ball very well until. Well,
2: that it's play. all and Wentz had twenty attempts. They had forty-eight offensive plays. That's less than the Patriots did in that abnormal game. And I mean, it's a very strange game. But Davis Mills, I look at the New England game now, and I'm wondering, was that just a total? I mean, obviously that you know he's got a lot to work on, but that seems like it stands out as a
1: total aberration because he came crashing back to earth. More or less. He made a couple throws on the move that you didn't hate, but ultimately they scored three points against the I mean, Colts. He's kind of a,
3: he's a tough comp in general because not only is he not like a premium draft pick quarterback, he's also playing on like one of the most talent poor rosters. Right, in the they, they actually it's put up 350 yards
1: they go 9 of 17 on, he ha- he made a couple plays, but it's
3: I know you're looking at Barry Davis Mills, Mark. Uh, no, Your analysis actually, on Thursday pointed to that.
1: No, no, no. I mean, I the, what I wrote
2: last week for our website was completely opposite. I mean, I he does have Brandon Cooks, who is quietly having right. a pretty awesome season. They do
1: keep score, though, and it was 31-3 to 3 at the end of the game. So that doesn't reflect too well. It doesn't reflect too well on the quarterback that I think in three of a four games they've been in single digits. So that's problematic.
3: Uh, by the way, the quarterback that used to be their quarterback, Deshaun Watson, who's still on the team, and some of these teams that have been connected to mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson are not having – great seasons with their respective quarterbacks. That continues to kind of lurk on the periphery. Houston has lost five straight overall, six of their last seven against the Colts. That is that. Let's move on to Detroit where the Bengals look to build some momentum.
5: Receiver goes in jet motion, Burrow rolls oh, to the right, right open. he throws, it's caught.
4: Nixon streaking down the sideline to the 20. Gets a block oh, baby. from Chase baby. and runs it into the end zone. <laughs> what a call, what a block. Touchdown, Cincinnati.
3: Oh, they're having fun now, Dan Hort and Dave Lapham, WCKY. Joe Burrow tied a career high with three touchdown passes, leading the Bengals to an easy 34-11 win over the still winless. Detroit Lions at Ford Field. Greg, the Bengals have already equaled last year's win total. You drinking that orange juice? Yes, because of the defense. Because they're orange, they're yeah, colored. I get it, scheme. it's good. It was like, well done. Uh, oh, that Thank was Oh, that was good.
1: I, I, they Thank have you. a lot of juice. Juice was the right word. Yes. There is, there is something in this. Yes. This is why maybe you don't invest in defense because it's so unpredictable. Mm-hmm. But there is something indefinable when a defense has juice. It's just like hustle and energy week mm. after week, whether you're winning, whether you're losing. This Bengals defense has juice, and they squeeze the life out of this Lions line. Wow, I, really, I didn't
3: think I was going to get this amount of runs. It's from true, the though. Setup. I, I love it.
1: It, it. it really is true, and they've had it all six weeks, and that keeps them in tough games, and it helps them win a game like this easy where the offense took a while to get going, but you know what? Eventually, it did get going, and you blew them out.
2: I mean, the Bengals defensive coordinator is, you know, absorbed probably 25 to 30 uh, poison arrows from this That's show true. in the
1: past. That's Lou, Lou a <laughs> We love a Luana rumo. Captain <laughs> Lou. Way to stick with him. You know, the easy thing would have been to just fire him with us. Sure. Uh, when he was not Wait, uh, what about Zach me? Taylor?
3: You want to talk about a guy who's he taking too. some slings of arrows on this nah, podcast? I'm not ready to give him too much Well, I think credit. it's like These when someone is good. not
2: doing their job for three or four years in a row, you stick with them. That's the lesson <laughs> here
3: three or four. <laughs> what
2: are you and, trying to say? I'm just saying there are people out there is, doing that.
3: This is year three for Zach Taylor, I, uh, I believe. Yeah, and they it's won three. one or two games this first year. They won four games last year. So this, we talked about it. He was on the hot seat. They needed to show something. I don't know, man. Again, sometimes I feel like when we talk about head coaches, if we decide we like them, we give them credit. And if we decide we don't really like them, we give credit Their to players the coordinators. Their players are good. Let's give Joe Burrow players. credit and
1: Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon. I'm just saying. It's just, Trey you know, Hendrickson.
3: You yeah, know, pick and choose which coaches are doing a good job. Sometimes that's on my radar in this room. Well, well we were wrong about Zach You can evaluate, Taylor. You can no, I'm evaluate just saying, like things. If you're going to kill Zach Taylor for the team making no progress in the first two years, when the team makes progress, you, you know, it's maybe not fair They're to Zach fine. Taylor to not give him credit. I, I kind of
1: – I still watch their offense, and I I do want more – I think they can be better. I kind of think they will be better. And this game was a good like example of it. They really were held in check for much of it until that Mixon screen pass where it was a blown coverage. But then Jamar Chase had one of the defining plays of his rookie season with an awesome block running down the field and Mixon's going crazy. Mm, and he's just fun. like pointing to like, that's Jamar's touchdown, that's Jamar's touchdown. And then Jamar does the Jamar Chase thing where he gets a 53-yard catch too in the game. He gets... It just week after week, he does something special that that really makes you think they have something really good. They're here. they're a
3: fun story this year. You wish that that kicked in and hit the upright last week because then the Bengals would be flying high at five and one. But four and two puts them in second place in the AFC North, and I think that's one of the biggest surprises of the young season. One last note on the Lions. Yes, the NFL's only winless team now. Because uh, we'll talk about the Jaguars later. They've now lost ten straight, going back to last season. That is now the league's longest active losing streak. And Dan Campbell, who's, you know, relentlessly positive, loves his guys, believes in his team, um, he couldn't help but be a little bit critical of Jared Goff after the game. Let's just listen in on that.
0: Yeah, look, I I think – I will say this. I still don't feel like – I don't feel like we can accurately judge him one way or another. Um, I don't feel that way yet. Now, I will say this –
2: should I say carefully. Here's the real Should I, feeling. It? Should I say it? I feel like
0: he needs to step up more than he has. Oh, and I think he buzz. I think he needs to help us, you know. Oh, just like buzz. everybody else. And uh let me check this depth. I chart. think he, he's gotta he's gonna need because to put a little goes. bit of weight on his shoulders here, and it's time to step up, make some throws, it's and do over. some things. <laughs> well, and, the uh,
3: pause was devastating that's it. But the he pause. needs help. I thought that the grave dig- is he still talking? I thought the gravedigger had uh, just hit pause for effect there, which would have been a classic gravedigger move. Get that gravedigger drop in there. you got to build a brand graver. You're, I mean, right, you're I'm, right, I'm giving you a brand on a plate. Take it. <laughs> I, I appreciate you're talking it. to a brand coach here. I can promise you that. <laughs> yeah, um, but I... I look, and this is good news for you, Mark, because you know who's number two on the step chart. as the Well, you don't. The president of the blowhard. Association. What do you mean I don't? I do. Oh, you kind of were giving me a blank look when I was trying to set you up there.
2: I mean, I'm running the fan club into year, I mean, year three or four ah, of the fan club here. Tough days. That's what I'm saying. Tough I set you up. I, I thought you were going to
3: take it, take it and run it. Tough there. days for the black. Here's the thing. Goff is
2: 0-13 with every coach not named
1: Sean McVay. He's played pretty well this
2: he's year. He's been fine. He's but
3: been well, fine. The Lions today, up with Campbell? Today, today was
1: not. Today was not. Yeah. He, he did not play well. Well, they today. had 61 he missed, he missed yards some,
2: in the first half, and the reason they did is because of all of them. It's not just Jared Goff. I mean, he's been a little spicier it's than expected It's because of that juice that the Bengals have. But
3: he missed some open throws. I'm a little surprised. So because he he measured those thoughts as much as I've ever heard a coach measure a thought before saying it, um, but he's not. There's
2: no phony. I like that. He's not like just Dan dropping Campbell.
3: phony lines because that was real
1: raw. Is, I mean, is him, Jared so? Goff like a, a Dan Campbell type of guy? Ultimately, is he a is he a kneecap biter? Is Dan Campbell ultimately feeling like uh, he
3: wants to Do go to work with Jared Goff? These of guys, course not. For one and year. People he's acting right. like with the screwed and Controversy. Um, Stunt. Oh, we're stunned to learn that the NFL is so chummy behind the scenes. All these guys know each other all across the league. What
1: are you talking and- Wait, What are you talking about specifically here?
3: What do you mean? The chummy part. Chummy. Well, I don't mean chumminess like the way Gruden was being chummy on email, but just they all know each other and they're all when you see these guys at League of "Oh, I didn't know those guys know- knew each other. I'm not saying that Dan Campbell knows Sean McVay, but I'm not saying there's not a possibility that Dan Campbell sent Sean McVay a text tonight, like, like this guy sucks.
2: Well, or that their GM (laughs) came from the Rams. I mean like, yeah, they all knew who golf was.
0: All right, let's take a break. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower,
5: Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Three receivers left. Quick count. Rogers takes. Pump fakes once and again. Scrambles to his right. Buying time. Takes it himself. He's to the side in the end zone for the touchdown. Rodgers just inside the pylon, and the Packers lead
4: it
3: 23-14. to Wayne Larravia with the call, WTMJ. Aaron Rodgers threw for two touchdowns, ran for another score. We'll get to that in one second. Uh, he led the way for the Packers in a 24-14 win over the Bears. The Packers have now won five straight after that week one setback against the Saints in Jacksonville, which feels like it was a million years ago. And as for Aaron Rodgers, it was more mastery over the Bears. The Packers beat them for the 20th time in 23 games, counting the playoffs. They improved to 22-5 and five with Rodgers as a starter against Chicago. And after that clinching score that we just played, Rodgers was very vocal with the fans at Soldier Field and Gravedigger. I believe we have that.
4: Right on cue, Jones.
3: Yes. I still own you. I still own you to the bears, Mark. I I know you're very you're not a big Aaron Rodgers guy. Where do where did you come down on this uh latest?
2: Well, it's I mean, it he's you know, it's factual. So I'll like let's give him that. Um but he spent, you know, days before this game Waxing poetic about how much Chicago meant to him, how he spent uh, days in the past. There was a night he walked down the Chicago streets and met a mother and the son and took photos with them and walked for blocks. And the son tweeted, the you know, his, his photo is Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, that child's thinking. Well, I'd love,
1: I'd love Chicago if I was Aaron Rodgers. So many well, great of course, memories. but I mean,
2: if you're that child, you're thinking, what's happened here? I mean, this guy now has just told my city to go take a dirt nap.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's sports. I love that. I love That's it. Good. Maybe he even knows it might be his last time there as a as a member of the Packers. Uh it has to be sweet. He he was going up against a great defense. Or very good defense at least.
3: Yeah, this was a um a nice performance by the Packers. Uh the Bears, you know, we talked about it their defense has gotten better and better. It's been solid this season and and Green Bay wasn't just going to walk over them and they didn't. This was this was a battle and Justin Fields unfortunately for the Bears was not able to really get anything going hmm. in this game. He was at, uh, I believe, early in the fourth quarter. He was at 99 yards passing, and uh, that's going to continue to be an issue for Chicago. The offense is an inability to put together drives and keep up with the team that has a big offense, because what happened in this game was Chicago's D was game. They battled back and forth, but you could only do that for so long. Uh, before a good offense gets a better of you and that's eventually what happened and that's the Rodgers scramble that effectively ended I, this game.
2: Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, you know, there were years under Rodgers where they didn't really have a, a good run game and I, I this is right now with Kareem Hunt out of the mix in Cleveland is I would say the second best running back tandem
1: in the league other than maybe Zeke and Pollard or or
2: you, you could argue yeah. these two
1: are. Dillon's good. It, another Gudakun's pick that everyone hammered, uh, and he adds something to their team. I, I've been focused on kind of what the Packers don't have, but what they do have, you're right. like They have a good running game, and they have a defense that's ultimately gotten a little better throughout the course of the season, and they have some potential to get better and get some more players back, so maybe they don't need to be a lights-out offense. It feels like an, a slightly underwhelming 5-1, but it's 5-1. And,
3: and it should be said that the... The Bears made this a game. This is, you know, Rodgers. That touchdown scramble came after Justin Fields connected with Darnell Mooney on a five-yard touchdown pass, cut the lead to three with eight and a half minutes to play. Uh, But as you see, it happened with Tampa Bay on Thursday night. These teams that are just a cut above even if you get close to them. Even Dallas today. Dallas today. They will say, okay, that's cute. I mean, we're pawing with you a little bit. We're going to go finish thing, this thing off, and that's what they did.
2: I mean, you know, again, this show is so heavily based on uh, self-branding, self-promotion. Hit it. <laughs> that's just another lock. I think you know, that's. I was trying around. to make.
3: I was trying to make a, a football analysis point, and I see like Mark really edgy in the corner of my eye, like looking and pointing at Gravedigger. This all. This, this all that and matters. I'm like. I'm like. What? Maybe he's got some breaking news here. Maybe he's got something hot to add. This is and breaking he- news. <laughs> 40% of the show. I mean, so. you, you were 40% <laughs> of the show's self-promotion. I mean, we
2: spent four minutes discussing Dan's lock at I didn't the top even of the show. I, I got, a, I got with, a lock
1: win too. I didn't even mention it. I know, it. Yeah. but Dan and
2: I are tied atop the standings. It's trenchant. What was I I'm, trying to bury. <laughs>
1: I'm trying to bury the locks. So I should have reminded Dan,
3: uh, Greg it's locked it. the Chiefs. so A lesser achievement. Yeah, oh, Very brave. All right. Any other thoughts on this game? Anybody kind of what you expected? From this ball game so let's move on I still own you that's, that's pretty it's, hardcore. it's pretty great it's pretty hardcore. I like it I would love
1: to yell that at a crowd of fans how great would that feel <laughs> I own you
4: <laughs> and here you go a 53 yarder he kicked a 54 yarder a minute ago can Matthew Wright win the game for the Jaguars that was brilliant cook puts it down Wright kicks it up the 53 yarder is good good good
0: Wright has made it! The Jaguars have won it
4: on a 53-yard field goal by Matthew Wright! What a magnificent ending in London! Holy cow! (laughs) Wow! 399 days ago was the last Jaguars
3: win. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah, that calls for the bongos. WOKB, Great call from Frank Frangie. Jeff Loggeman, the old uh, pass rushing specialist for a gangrene. Tony Vasselli in that booth as well. Maybe. Anyway, Matthew Wright's 53-yard field goal time expired. Gave the London Jacksonville Jaguars a 23-20 victory over the Dolphins at the big tot, the hot totty Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London. Uh, Wright playing just his third game for the Jags also drilled a clutch 54-yarder to tie the game at 20 with less than four minutes to play. And it is a game uh, win, uh, Mark, for the Jaguars that snaps a 20-game losing streak. While at the same time, I think it sinks the Brian Flores era in Miami to its lowest point.
2: Yeah, I mean, outside of Washington, they're the most disappointing team in the league. I, I would not have been surprised if someone told me back in August they'd be 5-1. One and five, the floor has fallen out to some degree. Uh, I know, listen, T- Tua had a, a, a good game. And I this was what – I actually forgot about the London game last night. And it woke up uh, midway through the second quarter of this, which is an unpleasant way to start your work day, to find out you're already <laughs> behind. Best, yeah. But Tua, everyone was going nuts over Tua's start. Uh, but I thought it was a, it was a, a, a really good day for Trevor Lawrence, who maybe outside of that Bengals game, this was his finest showing. And you could kind of see it with their offense at times. That, you know, I, who knows what's going to happen with the whole Urban Meyer thing. I found Urban Meyer slightly annoying um, celebrating this game at the end. I, I don't know what it way. is or so. why. Uh, I mean, I, 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 I do
3: I, in general, but why the celebration?
2: It it, it could yeah. be entirely unfair. It's just the body language. A little and too just much r-
3: self satisfaction for a guy it's, that was zero five with a that, disgraceful. You, awesome pre- you created a tornado like, of issues. <laughs> that's like, <laughs> hey, I'm getting on the
1: plane home. I wasn't totally sure if I was gonna get to go right. on the plane home, right. but I'm just definitely get on the plane
3: with that your team's on. Let's start there. Well, that's a good that, point. at I meant more. Yeah, shot. might not
1: let me get on the plane,
3: but wow, it's it's happened in the past. Coaches do get fired. coming off the London game. But, you know, even this quote after the game and referring to the kicker again, who saved your butt, Matt Matthew Wright, uh, Urban Meyer said, I don't think anybody on our team ever heard him speak until about 10 minutes ago. I don't know. Something about this guy rubs me the wrong way. And and Show <laughs> some respect to that ga- guy. Just Urban Meyer ass. was going to overtime. The
1: game was going to overtime until Brian Flores capped, and, and I don't say this lightly, Ooh. one of the all-time worst stretches of oh. game management I have ever seen from a head coach. Oh. There were an incredible amount of mistakes, but that last one uh, was that he took the time out to make them theoretically punt the ball to him on fourth down with, with eight seconds to go. Instead, they could have they could have just run a Hail Mary, so you're giving them a free Hail Mary because it would have taken that long. But instead, the, the Jaguars smartly, uh, I'm sorry, it was five seconds left, the Jaguars smartly ran a play where they got a first down in only four seconds, and then kicked the field goal, which was creative, and it was great execution. The players deserve a ton of credit for that. But I'm not sure what Flores was expecting there. I guess he thought they would punt it, but that didn't make sense with five seconds. And for that to happen after he didn't take a timeout on third and 20 when there was about 51 seconds Mm -hmm. left, showing no faith Mm -hmm. in Tua or his defense in that moment— after he had already challenged two plays in a uh, row yeah. that he had very little chance of winning and lost both timeouts, which put them in a bad spot after they played so conservative on offense the last couple drives to set up that Jaguars. It was a rough, rough couple of uh, <laughs>
2: quarter, couple of minutes for Brian. I'd Ford. like to know how many times in a season a coach loses two challenges and a half because, you know, this isn't 1938. Like How about in there two are, plays? Well, right, there are people in your ear saying, no, 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 we don't do this. Like, don't challenge this. To lose two is not good.
3: So, yes, the Dolphins obviously taking on a lot of water, and uh, here's what Flores had to say after the game.
0: You know, I, that starts with me. I'm not doing a good enough
3: job of getting these guys ready to play. Um, I'm not playing consistently enough, um, so we're not coaching well enough. And when I playing well enough, a, a big part, I don't want to say a big part because I don't want to take away from what the Patriots did over those 20 years, but a part of it, uh, the success was the constant cycling of these AFC East teams uh, from one coach to the other one quarterback to the other dolphins, jets, bills, and never finding any type of momentum. And now dolphins fans are asking themselves again, where are we at right now? Do we still think we have the right guy at coach? Do we still think we have the right quarterback? It's i I'm not saying they don't because it's just, it's a bad start to a season and there's time to, to write the ship still. But I mean, the fact that we're even having this conversation tells you how off the often I, I, I think is they
2: are a dark horse. And I know that we, we don't bring this up, but, Deshaun Watson sits out there as a, as a trade deadline possibility for them. I just still I, think is, that is that their, owner, their
1: owner has shown he's capable of surprising you in many ways with that possibly or who knows. I'm sure Flores isn't feeling too good. I'm more concerned about their team building, but Flores has a huge hand in that him and Chris G- Greer have cycled through so many different players over the last couple of years. And these picks haven't quite hit. It, it is worth pointing out. They were missing, you know, three of their top four re- wide receivers today and they're, two cornerbacks, Xavier Howard and Byron Jones, were just supposed to be the identity the of this Jaguars. team. I, I know. Right. I'm, I'm just pointing out like the, a lot the of their way. best players weren't on the field today, but they, they lack, you know, they lack anything that they do. Well, you know, they, they really are struggling in terms of their third down. Even they dominated you. What you missed, what you slept through was perfect. Miami Literally Dolphins not football. No, I was totally. Yeah. What, they dominated and they should have been up by way more than 13, three. And they, they, again, they got, they, got into a shell before the end of the first half. They they could have easily been up in this game, something
3: like twenty eight to three, and it just wasn't
1: happening. it's a disturbing backslide because yeah. everything I the can't opposite
3: believe they lost to be the, the game. reality. I can't believe, I believe talked they lost. about this in August and leading into the season in early September. This Watson Dolphins dalliance, um, this forbidden dance that hypothetically could be going on right now. When it was early September, it was like they're not gonna do that. But I remember saying like If it's October, if they're one in four, one in five, if Tua has hasn't established himself or whatever, like it's right there. Now the trade deadline is November 1st. Keep an eye on this because Mm. you know that that owner, Steven Ross is impatient and probably super hyper annoyed and thinking I need to hit a major reboot on this franchise. Will he do that? Anything
2: could happen. I'm also, I, I, it, was it a bad move for me to even verbalize that I was asleep during the part of part of any it's NFL fine. game? not you a can cre- catch up I don't the, think you know, it's fine it's, it's fine like for we'll me bring to
3: you it up know. two to three more times no, over no. The next week. you
1: did miss one of the most fun moments of the weekend which was a dolphins fan ran onto the field and almost kicked that the was kickoff. awesome and weirdly in <laughs> it, was amazing. weirdly in the UK for some reason like no one tackled him no everyone was cool a player literally like low fived him on the Jaguars it, it almost was like he almost got the kick Kickoff off.
3: Somebody right. I mean, it it usually blocked
1: that from television
2: view. Well,
3: that's a, well, that's an, a that's a uniquely American thing, perhaps. I don't know, but I always found it, although. I've been in a stadium where this has happened as well. When the security guards get to the guy and they just like concuss him and pile drive him into the dirt face first at 18 miles per hour running speed. Everyone's like, yeah. And it's like, was does that really fitting? Well, you never the guy? hear but, drunk, but guy. this guy right. just was standing
1: there around the players. There's another view of it from a fan who was in the crowd for a solid 30 seconds. And he's like talking to the right. players. He's talking with the official it was very strange. I, if nothing else, this game was it was not a good game. And these weren't good teams but at least the london fans got kind of a fun crazy ending so we, bet, but we had we had reports we that. that they were that
2: many of the london fans were uh non-plussed some. by not sorry some
3: some a portion I mean, of the when
2: we're getting tweets but yes. they're, you know were they throwing there, beverages there was some was beers happening? being thrown yeah. but on no, balance i
3: think it was another successful international series i'm just saying like when you when you run onto the field, you could typically say, because everybody's like, Hey, man, these guys are a threat to the players. And you got to enforce to make sure that you don't get it. Like most of these guys are just bombed fat guys with their shirts off, waving their arms around. Do we really need to try to kill them? <laughs> right. The Jaguars, <laughs> right. Streakers, you know? I
1: want to know the Jaguars player who came over and like dapped him up was like, Oh, man, good try,
3: man. Was right. like, that was we crazy. don't condone this activities and let the bosses any shadowy league figures that are listening. We don't condone fans running No, on the field. We do not. But perhaps we just just shepherd them off the field into the little jail cell under the stadium. We don't. The beating is unnecessary.
2: <laughs> That's my take. It's there. a good good PSA yeah, right I there. Wasn't expected.
3: Let's move
0: on. Oh,
4: Maybe the last time your offense sees the ball. Gino Smith will drop deep, he'll pump, he'll take it, lost the football, knocked out by Watt, recovered by Devin Bush, who circles the right way, he almost lost the ball, but he's got it at the 16, and the Smiths fumble forced by the defensive star, T.J. Watt.
3: Ah, Mike Tirico with the call, Gino, oh Gino, oh Greggy. <laughs> Gino Smith's fumble in overtime. Covered by Devin Bush, T.J. Watt making the big plays. He does every single week. Chris Boswell kicks the field goal a couple plays later. Final, 23, Steelers. Seahawks, 20, in OT. Pittsburgh gets back to 3-3. The Seattle Seahawks without Russell Wilson for the first time. Fall to 2-4. Greggy, listen. Gino, he did some things. He did some things. There was a conservative game plan uh, by Shane Waldron and the Seahawks. Uh, but they came back. They had fallen behind. They push it to overtime. But that Geno mistake, it's always haunted him his whole career. It happened again.
1: you You seem to enjoy it a little too much, you know.
3: It's fun. You were just
1: like saying, "This is the worst game of the year," and I I don't like football anywhere. I want to go home. And then, but and so. I do well, Some I don't of like, those lines and, are fabricated. And then, yes. That was the general idea. Okay. That and was then, not a good and game. And then Gino fumbles it, and then it's like Dan's like, "Yeah, yeah." Oh,
3: do you know why I celebrated yeah. like that? Because you love Gino so yeah, much. That's and what and I'm it, saying. It I mean, me it, was, it
1: wasn't a Zach Wilson like performance, but it was. It was okay. <laughs> don't hit out. It don't was hit okay. out.
3: Don't I hit mean, it I mean if
1: if Zach Wilson went if six Zach Wilson and a did half yards yes, per yes. Attempt,
3: we know the script got Greg. a couple uh, touchdown come back the against if the insert yeah. jet uh, did this you'd be happy uh, trope yeah. is strong with you Greg but go on Gino blew the game the, no the he, table's yours
1: it it was very conservative they ran the ball well they came from behind his problem has always been taking sacks uh, and he did. And they didn't trust their protection to hold up. I think that's why they were so conservative. And it makes sense. Alex Alexei Highsmith and TJ Watt went wild. I mean, the box scores insane for Highsmith and Watt, considering uh, how few times they had real dropbacks. Uh, their offensive line got drilled there. But I thought we were headed towards a tie. That's, what, that's what Mark was rooting for, because it didn't seem like Ben Roethlisberger was going to do anything either. He had five point seven yards per attempt on forty throws. Like he he did less than Gino.
2: I mean, the Seahawks in that first half, you never would have predicted that it would have wound up in overtime to begin with. They had 67, 65 total yards, five punts. They're playing around their quarterback. They came around. out in the second half and ran the ball really well for two straight touchdown drives. And, you know, you're looking at two essentially defunct offenses. I mean, Big Ben, you know, did a little Big Gen thing for a bit there. But then he – you know, I don't trust the Steelers. What does that mean? I thought that
3: he. Why can't a a big person named Jen be successful?
2: Well, I didn't say what he did.
1: Maybe maybe they won the game. So maybe. I mean, he fumbled the ball. Just like dropped it. That was bad.
2: Well, how about this? Welcome to 2021, Mark. Another ex-Jet, Jamal Adams. You know, has the ball (laughs) ricochet off his head. Would have that would have been a huge interception
1: for them. And you know that looked like Ben Roethlisberger said, I'm sick of everyone saying I don't have a strong arm anymore. I'm going to try to throw the ball as hard as I can on one of the biggest plays of the game right off Jamal Adams's head 15 yards away from me. And he did it.
3: By so. the way, you could have uh, he could have given Jamal a, a light shovel pass and it would have clanked off Jamal's helmet. He has no uh, Salty. ball skills Salty at is. all now. I'm not salty. I'm fine. Everything's good. The the thing about this is it's been a long day of football and the game started at 630 in the morning.
2: Not for me, but in London.
3: Uh, And when you get to the Sunday night game and it's just trudging along and it's a Geno Smith led Seahawks against late period Ben Roethlisberger Steelers. There's just it's hard to squeeze the juice out of this game, Greg. And the fact it, that it was it got as to-
1: competitive and close and comeback and and big plays as you could possibly want. But it feels like these two teams aren't going anywhere to your point.
3: Hmm. That's you said as many big plays as you could possibly want. <laughs> I'm saying game? in
1: a game like this in terms of like a comeback and there were like meaningful moments in the fourth quarter. I mean, it, it was a drag. Daryl Taylor, who's been such a great story, getting stretchered off and, and stopping the game late for so long. Like yeah. that that put a, a damper on it. Like it, I'm not saying it was great football. I'm just saying it was M- like. Michelle
2: tent. Tafoya did mention the Taylor, because I mean, when, when he left the field, you were wondering what condition yeah. he would be in that he is his extremities. He's moving extremities.
1: So that is your first sign that, A positive note. That's why you pay T.J. Watt all that money. Three passes defense, three tackles for loss, two sacks, the forced fumble. I mean, like three guys are blocking him on that play before Geno tried to step up.
0: Mm.
3: So we have next week for the Seahawks, you have the Saints in primetime. Am I reading that right? Three
1: straight primetime games for Geno against the Two of the best Oof. pass defenses in the league. This that was is the what, the, this is what the schedule were, makers were aiming for. My hopes blakers. were low coming into this, and it was 14-0 at halftime, and – it's not like Geno played that poorly even in the first half, but it just it just felt like there's no way against this defense that they're going to do anything. And it, it, I, I fear. I fear. The ratings for the Geno pod are starting to go down. But <laughs> what are you showing the next couple of teams you're playing
2: on tape? Like, you can't treat Geno Smith this way. You've got to – like, he made a couple throws yeah. late, and you cannot go in with this game plan next time around. You're and not going to play Pittsburgh's defense. And
3: I'll leave you with this, Mark Sessler. The Steelers head into a bye week – they come out of the bye, fully rested, and go to Cleveland with revenge on the mind for a Halloween matchup. I I'm, so, I'm
2: not even thinking about Cleveland right now. I mean they have they have pushed me into a <laughs> dark place emotionally. Treat. There's a lot of work ahead, you know. <laughs> what
1: could uh, go wrong?
3: <laughs> all right, Greg. I like it.
1: <laughs> Mark Mark said as as we started to watch that that game and you know Seattle starts coming back and I'm like, "Oh, you Yeah, you're rooting Seattle, right, Mark?" And you're like, "I, I don't care about the AFC I North." Am emotionally detached. I'm emotionally attached about the AFC
2: North. <laughs> Cleveland <laughs> seems determined to lose to every playoff, you know, hopeful out there, so
1: we we should do all these, you know, games uh, very tired and a little jet lag yeah, all
3: this stuff. Yeah. I, I will say uh congratulations to the wrestling brothers uh for once again locking uh locking it up. It was the Jaguars and it's a little it's a tough one to figure out because Larry attempted to punish his brothers to undermine undermine the entire operation by locking up the worst team in football. Uh, but they won. So I don't, I, I don't know where Larry's in at. Improb- he- in like, improb- where's Larry at headspace-wise? Is he annoyed? I think, I
2: think it's like, you know, you're sort of, you pl- went in with the villain role. Not that he's typically a villain. He's a nice fellow in every way. But then no. he came in with a Machiavellian plan. That felt, that's why Do all not- his
1: brothers call him Precious. You know, because, you, know, you know, Mama <laughs> Wesleyan wanted a girl. She got Larry, last one. and so precious. Well, tonight so he delivered the- another surprise, so. <laughs>
3: Uh, Absolutely. And I just can't wait to see what's next with the Wessling Brothers soap opera. Like, I don't know where you go from there when you're already by week six. There's the undermining to the point where one of the brothers brothers is trying to ruin the season for the other wrestling <laughs> brothers. Like what co- what happens from here? It's going to be exciting. It was great delivery. It was a high bar for Was he animals. trying
2: to ruin it or was he trying to say like, "Hey, let me make a pick. You guys didn't let me make the pick last week. Hmm. Here I am getting this one right that no one saw no, coming." There's no doubt that he probably felt a little a annoyed, annoyed and, and, and left one, out, great. but I think he was trying to undermine the entire operation. And that's how I trigger.
3: I think he was trying to undermine the operation and send a message that I will not be overlooked. <laughs> In the future. And it was their best week, best
2: week yet. So it's so an upset it. pick.
3: Like, I'm a huge Larry Wesley. Like, the Wesleyan brother power rankings, like, Larry surged forward in a big spot. The man of chaos. I that. So we'll see what happens next. Um, all right. That's it for Sunday night, the flagship show. We'll be back on Tuesday. Make sure you check that out. Dan Hans is signing off for Quiet Storm, the old boss, Ravedigger behind the glass. Till then, heed the call.